I would think that if at least the majority of stores, because the the example I gave was that these stores inside of a mall are just leasing that store, that place or that, you know, inside the mall. Yeah. So I'm surprised that if any of the stores are requiring you to wear a mask inside their store, I'm surprised they're not requiring to wear a mask in, you know, in throughout, the throughout the entire, uh-huh. the mall itself. That, yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of odd to me. And I get it. I get it. You know, you said that, well, that you don't really have the police to, their people to police that and make sure that it actually happens. Right. But same thing in a, in a store, or, or, like, you know, there's gotta be security guards and stuff like that around. There were, but not like the staff because the staff in like, say we, we went into route 21. I went in with my daughter. Did you get some blingy jeans? I did not. Oh, you should have. I did not. I, I really thought about it, but the fitting rooms weren't open. So, uh, <laughs> COVID. I get it. Um, you, you walk into a store there and, and the, the staff oversight is much more prevalent because you've got this small space within the mall and mm-hmm. there's, you know, two, three staff members there to help customers anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, as they're coming up to see if they can help you with anything, they want to ask you if you have your mask on. A lot of components might come, a lot of factors might apply to this. The Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Hey, thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Before we get started, I just want to remind you all one more time to go to bijack.com slash CEP to pick up all of your CEP network gear, including the new hoodies, coffee mugs, and koozies representing all three of the shows on our network, which includes Crusher Cast, Raised on the Radio, and of course, the CEP. Also, head on over to truenutrition.com for all of your nutrition and supplement needs, and when you check out, be sure to use the code CEPN for a 5% discount on your total order. Now for this episode, Colt and I bring a cerebral chat that we titled Herd Mentality. During this episode, we discuss whether Starbucks is really that good, whether businesses like Starbucks will ultimately destroy small businesses, people not wanting to go back to work after the quarantine resulting in staffing issues for businesses, the herd mentality surrounding masks and the vaccine, and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours warm again. So without further introduction, here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me, as always, and of course, is my good friend Did you almost botch it again? I don't think so. No, I was just, uh, I thought I did good. Okay. Yeah, I thought I did good. (laughs) Sorry. I I wasn't trying to include a guest here. (laughs) Okay, all right. It was good until you blew the whole thing out of the water, at least. Did I botch that? Did I I do that this time? I think that that was you, man. That was you. That happens. I did it. Okay. My bad. Anyway, how's it going? It's going well, man. Yeah? This time it's a Sunday that isn't shitty yet, but it's going to be. Yeah. It's yeah. it's been beautiful this morning, but it was supposed to be. I thought it was like torrential downpour for the next eleven days or I'm, something. It's off and on, like the changes is what I mean. Yeah, because I looked at the weather even up till like Friday, mm-hmm. which was two days ago. It was showing nothing but rain for the foreseeable future. I I thought maybe we would be riding in boats to see each other <laughs> at this point, but it's I don't know. It's just been hit and miss. Yeah, like I went up to Jordan's house yesterday. Right hand robot, shout out! Woo. And he he grilled outside and caught just a little bit of rain, mm-hmm. but not much because I thought we were going to be getting like you said these downpours that were going to completely erode the soil, and we would and I don't know I just thought it was going to be a lot more. Yeah, we were going to go play disc golf yesterday, and we were going to go up north. Uh, the people I was going with originally wanted to go south, but weather was saying that the basically the farther north you go, the better off you're going to be as far as maybe not getting so much rain. Okay. So, uh, 
We ended up going north. We played Jefferson Barracks. They got two different courses up there, which you're going to have to go up there, dude. They're freaking awesome. Both 18-hole courses. One's like in half in the woods, half out of the woods. One's all in the woods. But there's like some deep valleys. Like it's a, it's a good hike too. Did- I, walk, I walked like a little over 10 miles yesterday. Nice. Which was like 17,000 steps or something like that. Sweet. And I felt it when I got home. How does it the one in the woods compare to Columbia here at home? Um, harder, easier, in your opinion? I don't know. My nephew says he thinks it's harder. Yeah. Did he give or, you? No, any? no. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. My nephew thinks Columbia is harder gotcha. than up there. It's just so many freaking trees, man. That's that's the biggest thing. I literally threw one shot with a mid range, and the entire other whole or the, every other shot was a putter. Wow. Yeah. You know what I hate about a lot of trees the most? I mean, obviously, it's in the way of the of the basket. The whole oxygen thing. Well, I mean, I like the, the oxygen <laughs> from them. The thing I hate about the trees whilst playing disc golf specifically is clanking my, I don't know if clank's the right word, but but hitting the trees with my discs, man. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot of like divots and dents and it's really tearing into my stuff. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, there's that. I, that's why I only threw a putter yesterday yeah. because... I knew I was going to be more consistent with it. I knew I can throw straighter shots with it. Now there's going to be some instances where, uh, like the second, the, the course that I'm talking about in the bunker, it's all there is when you get on each hole is just this little block. That's like this big. And it just has a line line on it drawn on what the direction is of the co- of the trail of the course gotcha. or of that hole. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it may be just straight and then cut off to the left at the end, or it may be windy and wavy. And I seen some really good shots yesterday with a driver throwing forehand to where it's beautiful to where it goes to the left and follows the trail. But man, unless you're like really good mm. to where you can you can ain't like throw exactly to where you know exactly where the disc is gonna go left and where it's gonna go right and everything to follow a trail, you're better off just to pull that putter out of the bag and just try to throw straight as much as you can. Yeah. And that did help me a lot. I had some really good shots. I played a crap load better on the second course with just my putter than I did on the first 18 on the other one. Got you. Yeah. So learning how to, and being okay with right. The layup game mm-hmm. is very important in courses like that. I yeah. mean, you, you have to just find a spot and, and get your way up to the basket. Yeah. You can't just try to power through those trees. Yeah. You'll make it sometimes, but most of the time you're not going to, you're going to hit it off the tree. It's going to bounce. Hopefully you get a merciful bounce here and there, but it, yeah, it's just you got to learn how to find those those lanes and just go. And, and they're shorter lanes, obviously. You're not yeah. going to be throwing while you're throwing a I don't putter. Know, some of these were pretty freaking long. I mean, there were, were still they? there were still some four and five hundred uh, feet shots. Really yeah, straight they, shots, like with a lane. No, well, that's what I mean. I mean, I mean there was a lane, but not straight. <laughs> I mean, well, you're you're we bobbing yeah. and weaving throughout the woods, and that's what I mean. If you're throwing up on a lane and you get to where there's a curve in the, in the, in the path, basically gotcha. it's a go yeah, path. Yeah. Yeah, you've yeah. got to throw to that curve. You can't be thinking, well, I might be able to get it through those that, that six foot between those trees. Six foot's probably a lot, but those three foot of trees. If mm-hmm. I could just get it through there, then I'll be up around the curve. Mm-hmm. Now you better just throw it to the curve until you get like really professionally styled good. Yeah. Because you throw it to where the the, the path curves, mm-hmm. and then you get there and you throw it for another straight shot wherever the goat path has taken you. Right. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you kind of got to lay, you got to learn how to lay up right. in your game, which is tough because you want to get to the basket quickly. Yeah. And, you know, I I played, we played 
45 holes yesterday. We played nine in Festus and then the 36 up there. Uh, All day long, I didn't do a run up on anything. I'm, I'm, committed to standing in one spot and learning my learning my throw and my consistency is off the charts right now as far as throwing straight whether it's with a driver or any or whatever um and it's really helping me learn my discs as far as my drivers that cut that cut hard to the left once i throw them and finding out when they do and the ones that i can as long as i throw them well or i can push out like say there's a tree up ahead of me i can push that disc out and aim to the right a little ways. And I know that as long as I push that disc out far enough, it's going to come back around that tree the way I want it, mm. you know? So I'm, I'm learning those things and I'm throwing just as far, if not farther than I was when I actually tried to tried to do a run up. Mm-hmm. I think because when I do a run up, it throws so many other factors in there as far as like a possibility of me angling the disc right or left with my hand before I let it go. And you know, it's just, it, it, there's a lot until you, until I can get consistency down, I'm not going to worry about trying to throw the living piss out of a disc. I got you. I got you. You know, it's a funny story. I got to thinking about it. I don't know if you remember the time I told you there was a guy at Mac that I was watching. Off. I wasn't on the same hole. I was going one way and he was going the other. Mm-hmm. And I saw him slowly do a turn. It was like a, a maybe a two-step turn and then just whip the disc out of his hands. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure now that I think about it, that was Zach. Oh, really? Almost positive. Because I was watching him at Columbia when we were playing, mm-hmm. and I don't know why, but it struck me. I was sitting there thinking about, I, I think, that's him. That that was probably him that I was watching in the first place. Maybe so. Just it, it, I thought it was funny because <laughs> I didn't know him well enough. I had seen him around a little bit, but didn't know him well enough to say, hey, there's Zach. It was just some dude out there that was throwing well, and I could see that he was doing something different than what I was doing. So yeah. I tried to kind of mimic that a little mm-hmm. bit, and it actually helped me. Because my big thing... Right now, I mean, because I go back and forth between standing still and doing, I wouldn't, I don't really do a run up. I do a walk up, if anything. Mm -hmm. But slowing that walk up down when I do that is very crucial for me Mm -hmm. and and not try to just run up like I'm trying to steal third base or something, you know, because it's not like that for me. I got to take my time, be very methodical and, you know, let the technique do its its thing. Right. Quit trying to power it. I think your favorite part about playing Jefferson Barracks is that the elite the first 18 or i say the first 18 i don't know what it's actually called the the one that's more part in the park not the bunker Mm -hmm. is how beautiful it is the course is absolutely beautiful and it's so challenging but it's cool because there's so many trees and there's a lot of or quite a few holes where you will be up high and you have to throw over this big beautiful patch of trees but the cool thing is, is that it's walkable underneath those trees. So if you if you if you don't make it over all the trees and your disc comes down, mm-hmm. you're probably going to be able to find it pretty easily. Now it's still not going to be the easiest thing in the world to throw out of there, but it's not like you're going to lose a disc because you threw it into a bunch of trees. Right. But it's beautiful. But there's like there's some stuff. There's some where it's that situation where it's all trees underneath. You're up high, but you've got like a gap that might be this wide. And I know people who are listening to this can't see this, but it's a wide gap. It's not a very wide gap. It's at not all. a wide gap. at all. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe 10 feet of a gap you have that gotcha. you have to throw through. And on top of you're throwing over trees to get past it. But then you like actually walk down and walk underneath those trees through a trail to get back up to the other side to get your disc. Mm. But then there's also some holes where the basket is is like set deep into woods. So it's 
it's it's tricky. It's challenging, but it's fun. Yeah, I look forward to it. I, I'm kind of liking the playing in the woods thing. I yeah. didn't think I would as much, but like I said, the only problem is hitting the trees with my discs. I got to get some, maybe just get some older discs or some cheaper disc maybe that I don't care to put a bunch of dents in because mm-hmm. it's getting pretty rough, you yeah. know? I just look at it. I'm like, man, this thing got beat up. Yeah. So at any rate, yeah, I'll be looking forward to playing those. I know you texted me yesterday and said you played 45 holes and I was like, damn, that's yeah. a lot of holes. Yeah, I even texted another buddy of ours who plays up there all the time and I told him I, we, we played both of those back to back and he goes, holy shit. It's like, yeah. yeah, and we played nine holes before that, too. Right. But that Joker stuff in Festus is a legit, like, I mean, it's kind of like Bonterra around us, but it's uh, more, I don't know, it's it's pretty pretty comparable, I guess. Gotcha. So it's like a good warm-up course before you go off to do something else. But, man, we did that. So we, we played nine holes, and then we went to Oriental Buffet and ate Chinese Buffet. Now you're talking. And then we went and played 36 more holes. Oh, wow. And there was some rain in there. I did get some sloshy socks mm. there in the middle. I know how much you love that. Not a fan at all, right. actually. And I even brought extra socks, but I never stopped to actually put new socks on. Um, it wasn't that bad yesterday. It could have been worse. But the the good thing is, is that that second 18 is all in the woods. So even when it rained, you mm-hmm. couldn't tell it was like it wasn't that bad. Gotcha. You didn't get that so I'd like cover. But, yeah. It's good. Yeah. But. Well, I, yesterday, we were talking a little bit earlier before we started recording. I did go to Starbucks with my with my little girl. Mm-hmm. She likes Starbucks. I, I limit the caffeine that she has, but I got to tell you, she's a caffeine fiend if she had it her way. Uh, because we didn't, I think we talked about this last week, actually. We didn't give her any caffeine growing up, hardly at all. But when mm-hmm. she did get a little bit, she was bouncing off the walls because she had no tolerance to it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Which was a good thing because it took very little, you know, if she needed a little pep or whatever, school days, things like that to help her get up. At any rate, we went to Starbucks yesterday and the one in Festus, I got to tell you, it's in one of the worst spots ever for a Starbucks. It's a bad spot right there anyway. Just when you're turning, like you're coming off 55 Highway there, you make a right, you're going down to like where White Castle is and there's McDonald's down there, maybe a Lowe's or Home Depot, something. You make a right right there. Mm -hmm. There's a gas station there on your left after you make that right and then there's Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And that area right there as far as traffic goes sucks anyway. Mm -hmm. Like it's terrible. Now with Starbucks, dude, it was crazy. I mean, it was, it was insane. The, the weaving in and out, the traffic, people like, and it was gridlocked most of the time because there's a stoplight right there and people are coming in trying to get out and their parking lot is like right, not very far down from the stoplight. So mm, just right. the carnage of, of gridlock was insane and I don't recommend it to anybody and yet everybody was going there obviously. Right. And so you and I were talking about, you know, the one that they just put up closer to our hometown and, uh. In our area, we do live in a more rural area. Anytime anything is brand new, opens up. It's like the people around here lose their shit. They do. They just, they will sit in traffic for miles and miles and hours just to get this new thing that, and it doesn't matter what it is. Right. It could be a barbecue place. It could be a Starbucks, which is Starbucks in this case. It could be a, a hardware store. It doesn't matter. People just come in droves because it's new. It's like they've just hungered for this thing which, that now has presented itself. In it's, a way, sort of makes sense, especially if we're talking about people who have lived here forever, because we don't get new things very often, you I, know? I know. And so I, I get it from that standpoint. But as far as Starbucks goes, I know people have been like so excited about Starbucks opening, but we're 
since it's opened, there's a road that goes directly behind Starbucks. Mm-hmm. So you have to drive on this road to turn into the parking lot. Right. If you go, if anytime now, if you turn down that road, if there's a line of traffic, you don't know if that's a line of traffic for the road or if that's a line of traffic. You may sit there 15 minutes and then realize that you're in the line for Starbucks and you're not trying to be. Right. But my point is, if you go to Starbucks every day or multiple times a week, how much do you think they're spending on a coffee? Like seven bucks probably? Probably on average six Six, seven. And yeah. then, especially at a brand new one like that, who's tra- it's traffic around the store all day long, mm-hmm. how long are they sitting in that line? Probably right. 15 to 20 minutes every day. Why don't you just make your freaking coffee at home? Why does it have to be a Starbucks? I think it boils down to, well, going back to the, the reason why it's so it's so crowded and so busy during their opening opening month, maybe two, in a, in a rural community like ours. Because I, I guess a lot of people don't make their way up to the like civilization very often, yeah. Like South County and up, which actually even Festus and up, really. So I, I guess they don't get up that way enough to where it's like a more regular thing. So mm-hmm. it's like this novelty thing they do when they're down here. Hey, there's Starbucks open. Let's all go wait in line for an hour and a half and drive through and, and block traffic. But at any rate, I think it boils down to this to answer kind of your question: Is Starbucks really that good? Is it? I mean, yeah, it's it's good. I like my. Is it? That's tell my, me. Is it? I, I want answers. It's, my, a, it's it's a good question. I'm not gonna. Okay. So the other side of that that I do understand is that I say, why don't you just make your coffee at home? Okay. Well, you probably don't have the whipped cream at home, and you probably don't have the however the heck they make a venti soy decaf latte with whipped cream and triple shot of whatever mm-hmm, the espresso yeah you can't that is nice. you can't make that at home probably yeah not really you know so and i get it but it's also like you know how many cups of coffee you could make for seven bucks at home versus what you're gonna get there yeah i mean it, here, here's the thing though i'm gonna take even one step in a different direction maybe we have little mom and pop coffee shops around this area we do that do basically the same thing and they, and they taste good. They do well. They mm-hmm. do very good jobs. But instead of going there and getting your coffee, which I, I would still recommend that, some, at least sometimes. I don't. I make my own coffee nine times out of ten. But if I'm going to, why not frequent a place like that instead? Right, instead yeah. of Instead of blowing up Starbucks. That's my question. Is Starbucks really that good? I, I think the answer is no. It's it's really not that good. It's got name recognition. It's got this this thing, kind of this culture that's surrounded it for years now. It's a, it's a hip thing, and and for especially in this community, you don't have a whole lot of that kind of business in this area. Yeah, and so it's definitely a novelty. And I do think that for Farmington in particular, that business is going to slow down. Not that Starbucks is going to suffer. Right. Not that they're going to have a hard time making ends meet, but it's not going to be like this all the time, right? This is the new thing about it. Do, but, they, do they put some of those mom and pop stores out though, you think? Do they? Probably. think so. Probably. I mean, I know people personally who have at least I know, I know one lady who has one of those mom and pop stores and I know um, of other people. I know people who know these people who have another one of those coffee shops and man, they're good though. They, they do a good job. I, I think they, they definitely compete with Starbucks. Starbucks is like though, 
it, it's like your McDonald's or or your your Hardee's or whatever, right? Let's say they're like a what's a more um, franchise for a sit down restaurant, maybe a maybe a, a Colton's or something like that. Mm-hmm. I guess they're pretty pretty big, aren't they? Uh, Colton's. Yeah. I would say more. I mean, bigger would probably be like a Texas Roadhouse or something okay, like that. Okay, we'll, we'll go with Texas Roadhouse. Okay. So a Starbucks is kind of like that, you know. You can you've got you still got your diners and your sit down restaurants in this area. They just opened a new one in Farmington. As a matter of fact, the old crab crab house. Something. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh-huh. It's actually really good food. I haven't I've been there. Been there. I don't I don't eat the seafood, but man, they've got a burger that's gonna knock your gonna knock your socks off. Nice. Very good. But is a place coming in like let's say of course we already have a Colton's, which is very similar to Texas Roadhouse. They're, mm-hmm. they're like twins, right? Basically, they have the peanuts and the big barrels and everything. My, you know, minus COVID. I don't, I don't know if they do that right now. I think they just give it to you in bags now. I mean, I mean since, <laughs> no, you, since the COVID do, quarantine. Do you know how that came across, how you just said that? Well, I can tell by <laughs> the look on your face that... that because you, say, you basically said... <laughs> that one of them has COVID? <laughs> yes. No, that's not what I meant. Col- uh, Colton's is Texas Roadhouse without the COVID. <laughs> without the COVID. That's where it all came from. Now we know. What I mean that is that awesome. they have the big barrels okay. of peanuts. I got gotcha. But they don't do that. I Since see. COVID restrictions <laughs> caused them not to be able to. And that goes for both places. Not one place has more COVID than the other. Anyway, um, when they come into town, they're going to shut down businesses like the Crab House. And, and there, may, there may be some survival, but anytime a bigger place like that comes in, they're or, uh, not even necessarily, uh, they are bigger in, in name and bigger in stature, but it's the reputation is, is what I'm talking about. Because now people just think Starbucks, oh, here we go, Starbucks is in town. Let's. It must be worth my wait for an hour and a half to go sit and buy coffee when I could get the same thing down at the other mom and pop shop. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's the consumer. It's it's their fault. It, it's all of our faults if, if we frequent a place like Starbucks or like Texas Roadhouse and don't go to the mom and pop place, the crab house or the, the coffee shops that are around. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, it's comparable, if not just as good or better food. Than, or coffee than what you're going to get at those franchise places. It's the whole name recognition. It's like, it's hard for people to see past, oh, Starbucks. Right. That means it's really, really, really good. Yeah. I, it's not worth it for me. If, yeah, if mean, it wasn't for my girl wanting Starbucks yesterday, I wouldn't have stopped there. I don't, Starbucks doesn't, it's nothing special to me. Yeah. You know? I mean, we always promote local business and I just mm-hmm. hope, I hope that most of those little mom and pop places that we have do survive through it and hopefully once the, the, uh, appeal of starbucks kind of wears off a little bit since just because we have one hopefully that slows down and yeah uh but i'll tell you what i've seen i've seen just as many pictures on facebook of people with their their starbucks in hand as i have of people getting vaccinations for covid and that's what i'm saying you know the the masses are and i don't mean to sound like obtuse here but the masses are just so look at me i have starbucks in my vax card uh, I, I must be cool, mm-hmm. right? Look at this. I just, it drives me nuts. That in and of itself makes me not want to go to Starbucks, you know? Yeah. And I don't mean to be a contrarian on that. If, if I want to, if I want a coffee, like for instance, yesterday I got me the white chocolate, uh, a venti white chocolate, uh, mocha. Um, and I usually get the double shot of espresso in there too. So I really get my head spinning. It's a really good coffee. Mm-hmm. It really is. Because I usually don't drink sugary coffees like that. You know, I drink my coffee black. Black is the night itself. The darker, the better. That's just how I roll. But when I go to uh, to uh, Starbucks, it's like a treat. It's almost like going to get ice cream for me, you know, every mm-hmm. once in a while. I think that's okay. But I could go get my ice cream at the mom and pop shop if not for 
us being already going up that way and, and she, my, my little girl wanting Starbucks. Right. Otherwise I'm not doing it. And, and to your point, those mom and pop shops will survive, but that's up to people, the yeah. consumers, right? you know? Mm-hmm. So hopefully the consumers get their heads out of their butts and, you know, help those places survive because you're getting just a good product. You're just not getting the cool little Starbucks cup with it. Right. Drives me nuts, man. Drives me nuts. And I'm I'm not the type that's all always anti mainstream. I like what I like, but if something really rubs me the wrong way, I'll go out of my way. You, do you remember me talking about Jack in the Box and Deloge? How mm-hmm. I walked in and I, I still haven't gone back there, and I don't <laughs> plan on it. You know, I'll go to another Jack in the Box in another town. I'm not going to that one. I put my foot down because they should have served me my food that day. Or they should have just taken my order and and brought it to the door. Did it, you know something? Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to go under because they lose my business. But if you rub me the wrong way on something like that, then I'm going to hold a grudge because I'm the consumer. I'm the one who who floats the business. And not just me, of course. It's the consumer as a, as a whole, as a collective. Um, but as a collective, we can make choices anyway to go, because I don't go to Jack in the Box hardly ever anyway. The other day, the other morning I was there, I wanted to go get a breakfast sandwich. But um, I said, no. I, I thought about it, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. So I went and got me a little uh, breakfast sandwich at Casey's. Had to go there anyway. Yeah. Screw Jack in the Box. To play devil's advocate for you, though, mm-hmm. there, and I'm sure you understand this too, but I understand you're putting your foot down against one of them, but mm-hmm. you're still feeding the franchise if you go to another one. Of course. And I, I understand where you're coming from, too. Mm-hmm. It's like a pri- it's almost like a pride thing. It is. It's like, you know, you fucked me once. I'm not going to let you do it again. Mm-hmm. But... So what if you go to a second one and you get the same situation? Do you do the you then boycott Jack in the Box altogether? Maybe, maybe, maybe if I if I saw a trend because it, you know we can't and I don't I try to frequent as much small business as possible, but I'll be the first to admit I also eat at you know some other places too. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to Buffalo Wild Wings not too long ago because I really like their wild wings, mm-hmm. right? Their their wings. So I, I I do frequent franchise places as well because I mean there's good stuff all over the place but this was one jack-in-the-box one one place that decided they weren't going to serve me that i had to go out and get back in line and you know i could have been in line the whole time and now i would have lost my place because the line was growing their door was open anyway it was one place now if another place did the same thing to me i might start seeing a trend there and just say jack-in-the-box across the board once again, keep them in mind, I hardly ever eat Jack in the Box. It's right. hardly ever a thing. Right. Right. But it just so happened that this was Jack in the Box and I still hold that grudge. And yeah. I, I plan on holding on to that grudge because especially if you're a franchise place and I'm already like not liking things just because you're big and, and they, they they knew they could do that. They don't they don't have to worry about my little $5 for whatever I was getting that day, right. $10, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, that's fine. You know, we, we can agree to disagree. I'll go my way. You stay right there and you feed your greasy crap to everybody else besides me then. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. Yeah. I'm not trying to get the place to shut down. I just don't want to eat there. Right. This is going in a direction where we didn't, we, we didn't really talk about before the show that we were going to go in this direction, but I'm curious. Do you think it's a mixture um, or do you think it's it's one one bigger over the other as far as this whole people not wanting to go get work some companies even local to us are have had to shut down have shut their doors for a couple of weeks because they don't have the staff to cover the people coming in do you think that's a mixture of I, I, what, what do you what i guess what do you think the underlying the real underlying thing is there do you think it's people don't want to work 
or do you think like to where it's hard for businesses to staff, like get staff in there? What What do you think? What exactly are you are you talking well, about? Well, because, because I see what, like on which issue? On, on on social media, you see both sides of things. Okay, so some people are saying that uh, well, like with the extra three hundred on top of unemployment, yes. people are not wanting they're they're making more money by sitting at home, so they're right. not wanting to go out and try to get a job. Absolutely, which is that's going away now. Mm-hmm. We figured that out in, in a couple of weeks. Actually, that's going away. Right. But there's companies around us that are shutting their door or have had to shut their doors for a couple of weeks because they just couldn't get the staff in there to support all the people that are coming in or coming out, which I mean, that's a thing right now. Like there's like doors are opening back up to places. People are getting out more again because the vaccines have been rolling out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I get the side of, well, companies are having trouble getting a hold of people or getting people to work Yeah. because of that. But the other side of that is the argument where people are saying, well, it's not that people are lazy and don't want to go to work. It's that, um, what's the other side of that? I, ju- I just read something before I got on here too. Um, is it not making enough wage for that yes, to be worth that, Yes, them that's it. Yes. So, yeah. So the other side of that is not that they're lazy and they don't want to go in. It's that the wage is not high enough for them to go to go in and work. Okay. Um. I don't. I don't necessarily know that I agree with it. I I do agree with the fact that people probably do get paid, especially like in areas around us, like don't get paid probably what they should. What the wage isn't high enough for what it should be. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's because that that's just to uh. The business pockets more or can pocket more. I don't know if that's a, a thing or if that's literally because in some businesses it's just not feasible for that company to pay people more. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because for them to sustain the business. Here's here's the thing, and I'm going to preface by saying that I don't really know. Okay, so next topic. You know, <laughs> uh, but it, well, I have perspectives, right? Okay. So to start off, because there's a lot to unpack there. I don't necessarily like, yeah. So if businesses actually had to shut down because they couldn't staff, I I don't know that. I didn't realize that was a thing to be honest with you, but I have known even in our industry, the healthcare industry, trying to keep staff is, is just ludicrous right now. Your, your, your bottom level staff, because people, it's almost impossible to get new employees in right now because they can come in, apply for work, say they tried, get back on employment, make more, like you said, than what they could make, you know, anyway, or, so, or but, it's not always that they can make more, but it's they can make enough to live. At least, right? Yeah. Which that, that's a thing for me. You know, and there was a time in my life, because I, I don't mean to be just high on my pedestal judgmental of these things, because I was a, I was a young person once in my early 20s, and I, I kind of fooled around with the system then too, the unemployment system, just a little bit here and there, because, because I could. And, and that's what they're doing. But the government's actually incentivizing people not going to work. And th- there's a bigger kind of conspiracy, if you will, to this because it is it is placating the masses, the, the population. And it's also forcing the smaller guys out of business so that you consolidate more into the bigger entities. But that could go into a lot of other reasons, rationales for like tax dollars and things like that because that's where if, if you can consolidate where all the finances all, all the the money's going to then you can it's an easier route to just get in more of that big time money like mm-hmm. from your walmart your mcdonald's so on and so forth having said that though 
I don't know, you know, staffing these days, people these days, it, I, across the board, I talk to people in all kinds of different industries. It's not just healthcare, all kinds of industries. They're saying that people just don't want to work anymore. People don't want to work. And I don't know, I don't know what to do because McDonald's has a sign up that says they're hiring for $13 an hour. Mm-hmm. $13 an hour is not a bad wage right. to work at McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. Now I get it. It's McDonald's. I understand that. We, we've always thought of fast food restaurants as more places where you know people start when you're younger things like that or if you're like retired you go back and you want some but, but little we, bit of work but we also say $13 like around us is not a bad wage like if you go to New York or something like that $13 is like garbage I'm sure yeah but they're probably paying 20 bucks an hour up there right but that's a good point because it costs up basic cost of living that's all I'm saying yeah that, yes. yeah you bring up a good point because yeah. in our area $13 an hour is a pretty good wage when yeah. when minimum wage is what 10 something now yeah, um, I think so. So for a very f- foundational job like fast food, where a lot of people get started, that's a pretty good wage, man. You can actually go there and, and and do pretty good for yourself if you're a teenager or even early twenties, getting yourself through college, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or if you're retired and you just want some extra work, whatever. Just if if you need a job, that's not terrible, right? And it's not really hard work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So the problem is though. Here here's the thing, and I have an idea. That I don't think that I don't know if Biden is listening to us right now. Hopefully he is, and he can kind of put. I'm pretty sure we're the number one podcast that it, he at the White to. House. Absolutely, okay, well that's yeah. good. Well, shout out to Biden then. Yeah. My idea is this. Okay, so when you raise minimum wage, one of the biggest on the conservative side of things, one of the biggest arguments is that well, mom and pop places, your small businesses, cannot afford to pay that much of a wage because they don't get that much revenue coming in. I think it's a great and, and value, you know, it's a valuable point. To your point, the counterpoint to people being lazy or, or whatever, just taking advantage of the system, however you want to phrase it, and are, are, would rather sit at home and make unemployment than go to work because the living wage isn't enough. Well, they have a, they have a valid point too because there are a lot of people out there with families who are looking for work because a lot of things have, have shut down or, you know, businesses have gone overseas, you name it, just the whole run the gamut of things. It's not like it used to be back in the day. Of course. And, and, and of course it's really not. But so they need a living wage. Mom and pop stores on the, on the flip side need to stay open. I think that if you are a business and you make over a certain amount of revenue, you know, and it needs to be a pretty high amount. I don't know what's fair, but we need to find that spot, that sweet spot over that, then you have to, your minimum wage is different than your mom and pop. I see. That way, if I go to work for mom and pop, you know, I know that I, I'm working there and they may have a little more trouble staffing. Maybe not though, because there's going to, there's different, there's different uh, benefits to work in different kinds of jobs. Yeah. You know, I, I talk about this all the time in our industry. I say you're in healthcare for a reason to, to our, you know, management and, and staff, because if you wanted to make more money somewhere else, you could. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm straight up with them like that. I said, if, if you're here for, to just for the paycheck, just for the money, go somewhere else. You know, even our, in, in our staffing shortages, and I'm sure my administrators love this, but in our staffing shortages, I say, you know, if you're not here because you want to work with people, because you gravitate toward this kind of work, then you need to go somewhere else because we don't, you know, we don't need you here. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do the job the way that it needs to be done. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, there are benefits to working different kind of jobs. There were, there will probably be some other people who are not just looking for money, who will gravitate toward those mom and pop places. But if you're looking for a minimum wage, then your McDonald's and your Walmarts and all those bigger places should have a higher minimum wage than what mom and pop does. Because they can afford to pay those people more. That's right, because the money's all going 
to line the billionaire's pockets. Right. You know, Makes it doesn't sense. make any sense that that you you put mom and pop on the same pay scale as McDonald's. That doesn't make any sense. Starbucks and and the smaller coffee shops. Yeah, but the only, doesn't make sense. You know, the only bad thing though is that that pushes more people towards the big business. To like more people, like you know, we talk about put. We want more consumers to go to the mom and pop places. Well, now we're actually pushing more people to go towards employees. Yeah, not. not I know. I guess, I guess. I guess it's a different thing. Then okay. I, I think so. And also, here's another thing, though. See, this is the catch that we deal with, and another argument that on the conservative side that I completely agree with, unless I'm just missing some stuff. But it seems to be the way it works. Anytime that you push up wages in in an industry. Guess what happens? In order to compensate for the increased wages, the prices of their products right. go up and the services Inflation, go yeah. up. Yeah. It, it goes up. If yeah. they have to pay their employees $3 more an hour, guess who's going to end up paying for that $3 an hour? It's the consumer. The millionaires still are in the billionaires. They're not losing their their pockets on it. Right. It's not coming from them. It's coming out of the consumer. Right. So when we do that, the forced uh, minimum wage hikes, it's just raising all the prices of everything else. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Could we not balance that out by... You know, having the bigger companies, corporations, raise their stuff, mom and pops don't have to raise their stuff. So it also makes them more competitive in the market. Okay. So that would also keep in return, that would keep McDonald's and Walmarts and and people like that from having to raise their prices too much because now they're having to compete with mom and pop, like for real. Yeah. Like it actually, it actually creates some competition for your small businesses. Yeah. Um, That's just my idea. Once again, I just wonder if it pushes more employees away from wanting to work the small smaller jobs it might but but once again you let the market speak for that so if mom and pop if they're unable to get any staffing and realize they don't have to staff like a mcdonald's or a walmart you know yeah, that their right. staffing needs are more minimal yeah but if they do have to staff uh, and they're having trouble staffing then they may have to increase their wages a little bit but it's but it's up to them to kind of balance that scale. Right. So so they have the option, they have their the control, the power to increase their wages based on what they think is going to bring staff back in. Yeah. It's not up to somebody else who says, no, you have to do this. Gotcha. And so it, that gives them the, the control and the informed decision-making ability to be able to say, can I stay in business at this or not in, yeah. in this uh, competitive uh, market? Right. You know? Yeah. So it gives them more control. Um, otherwise, it looks like everybody's just shitting on the small business guys. Yeah. And, and, and basically in essence, that's what it is because the crowd, they want the cheapest thing they can get with the, the prettiest label and, and the, you know, the most prolific reputation, Starbucks. Yeah. Let's talk about Starbucks because apparently I'm drinking liquid gold. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I heard your eyes roll. I know, now. right? <laughs> but no, I just thought that was an interesting topic because like I said, there, there is a few businesses local to us that that has happened where they had put a sign on the door that basically said, Hey, we just due to low staff, we can't afford to do it. And I've tried to see both sides of that. And I, I agree with the business for closing down because even if they're close down for a couple of weeks until they can get people hired or trained or whatever they need to do it's better than having than having the doors open being short staffed and then just pissing a bunch of people off because the service is terrible and everything like that and then you're you're taking a chance on people not coming back you're possibly going to lose business because you just weren't staffed yeah you know i get it i guess it would depend on what what industry exactly we're talking about like the main one i'm talking about was a bar and grill yeah okay so it's service industry yeah absolutely Uh where you have to have service or else you're not going to get repeat customers right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. if you come into like say a hardware store and it's kind of it's harder to find somebody to help you 
that's a little more forgiving. Yeah. You right. know, because you're looking for nails and a hammer. Right. You, you know, you're not looking for a burger that's just, you know, cooked just right, mm-hmm. where the waitress has a smile on her face, so right. on and so forth. So, yeah. yeah, you're right. That that does make sense. Businesses, once again, they need to have the the flexibility in order to make decisions like that, though. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if in, in a particular market, if they cannot stay open, if they need to shut down temporarily, if they need to make some adjustments within their pay scale, whatever the case is, they should have more control over that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like trying to get into a regulation, anti-regulation type of uh, conversation. I think it's just common sense. Yeah, I, I th- you've really got to look down at the minutia, but you've got the powers that be that are looking at huge, giant data sets. You know, they're looking at all kinds of numbers, and they don't take into consideration. It doesn't seem to me like they take into consideration some of those smaller operations that need a different kind of approach. Right. You know, uh, this is like. You want to let the market speak, but you also want to have it be somewhat fair mm-hmm. because the big guys already have the super huge advantage because they have all the money. Okay, that's fine, but they shouldn't be able to set all the other parameters around it. Let, right. let the other guys do their thing. Right. I mean, you just think about the whole scenario. It just sucks because it's like, okay, well, COVID hits. Now we're not getting as much business. Like businesses aren't getting as, as much business, as many consumers coming in, so they got to let people go. Now... These people go on unemployment. They make a crap load more on unemployment than they even were when they were making when they were working there. Anyways, yeah. Now things are opening back up. People are getting back out there, and now businesses can't afford to survive or can't survive because they don't have the staff because they can't get those people to come back to work. Right. You know, that's just a it's a crazy scenario. And I don't know if that was like in the process, like people's thought process in the beginning, like that that's what was going to happen. I thought. I mean, it wasn't in mine. I I didn't think that I. I knew the beginning. I knew what was going to happen in the beginning. I knew places were going to have to start letting people go and unemployment was going to rise and stuff like that. I knew that, but I didn't think about this. I didn't think about the back end when things start opening back up that this could be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a problem with a safety net system like that in general is is the long-term effects, the longer-term effects mm-hmm. on your workforce. Because it's, I mean, just, and not not crapping on people who are getting the unemployment and it's especially those who really needed it, people with families and people who weren't taking advantage. They really needed that boost. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I know, I know other people who are working good paying jobs and they chose to stay laid off on unemployment because they didn't have to get up and drive to the city mm-hmm. and, and do carpentry. You know, they were making good money and they still chose to use the system. Right. You know that, and you're going to have that. You're going to have that anytime that you try to help a group of people who are in need, you're going to have those other people who can also take advantage of the system as it were. We all got stimulus checks. I mean, I cash mine, so mm-hmm. I, I'm not being judgmental. It's, it's more of just an objective kind of analysis on, on what happens. Mm-hmm. So if you're one of those people, believe me, I, I've, I've been there, I've done that, but there are problems with it that now we're trying to get things started again. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very difficult to get everybody back to where they need to be. Right. The other argument, though, is that, well, where we need to be isn't where we were, though. We need higher wages. You know, we need this and that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I agree with that. But how, who's going to pay the, the penalty for higher wages and, and um, better insurance? I'd love to have better insurance myself. Insurance yeah. sucks nowadays. But who's going to pay the penalty for that? Your smaller businesses are. Right. You know, because the big guys, they're going to keep lining their pockets because they got plenty to line with. And right. they got big, deep pockets. <laughs> they do. Well, speaking about the pandemic and speaking about people going, getting back into society again. Yeah. 
a topic we wanted to bring up was about, um, you know, businesses basically saying, and I don't, I don't know, I don't have any businesses off the top of my head. I know that there's a lot of businesses around us still that are still some requiring masks that's on the door. Yeah. Some of them are very adamant about it. And if you try to walk through their store without a mask, they're going to add, they're going to stop you and they're going to ask you to wear one. Yep. And if you don't have one, they're going to ask you to leave. I've seen it happen. Some of them have basically, I guess, just have a sign on the door just to tell you, we would like you to wear one. Uh, but it's basically just an option apparently because half the people that go in there don't. Right. Don't. Um, and there's some that don't have signs at all anymore, you know? So apparently there's gonna be some businesses that are saying, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. And if you haven't been vaccinated, you do still have to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Question you were brought up to me in the, uh, before the show was, does like, how do, how do you prove that? So I guess you get a card when you get vaccinated. Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess you can show your card, but then again, you know, what is that? How do you prove that that's you? Do you have to, when you walk into a store, is there somebody that's standing there that you just show, you have to have your ID and a vaccination card that says here, I don't have to wear my mask. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather wear a mask than have to go through the, that stupid crap. The problem is that I, I think that the powers that be know that this is an issue and that's how they're going to mandate the the official vaccination passport. Yeah. And I thought about that, but the other thing I thought about too is, and I don't know, I mean, I guess around here, like if you go to Walmart, most people don't give a crap about what anybody else thinks anyways. I mean, you see like the, at, you know, the at night Walmart pictures on Facebook and stuff like that. It's people just, of Walmart's a great uh, site. People of Walmart. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess people don't really care, but the first thing that popped into my head was, well, you know, now, like if you're in Walmart or you're in a store and you have like, half the people that are wearing a mask and half the people aren't now all the people who are not wearing a mask, you know, are the ones that are vaccinated. And if you're wearing a mask, then you're just going to have eyes on you from everybody yeah. the entire time you're in the store. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's gonna make much of a difference because I think that's happening now regardless. Yeah. You know, if you're, if it, but, but it's from the other side, it's from somebody who's not, or who is wearing a mask is looking at the person who's not wearing a mask like, dude, come on, seriously? You're just going to kill everybody in here. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Here's, it, it, I don't know if you're familiar with The Scarlet Letter, that old book. I've heard of it. Yeah, well, that, that's basically what this is. I mean, it is, except for with COVID. Um, it, it's when, when they're going to make it to where people can scrutinize other people. Yeah. See, this is some real 1984 shit. Mm-hmm. It's all about the thought, please. It, it's all about making everybody, making the populace so they police the other populace, the other parts of the populace, right? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of peer pressure, right? How dare you not be vaccinated and be out in public? It's like you're going to, you're going to like you said, you're going to kill us all, um, which there's a lot of arguments for that, it, why a lot of this shit doesn't make sense in mm-hmm. the first place. I, I won't necessarily unpack that right now, but it's also much more, there's much more scrutiny in the cities like St. Louis, for instance, the one that we're closest to, than there are in, in, in the more rural towns. They still have the uh, mask required signs at a lot of the stores around here. People ignore them if, mm-hmm. they, if they choose to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Some people choose to wear their mask, some people don't, which is, by the way, how it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're not talking about, uh, well, I, I won't get into that yet, but up in, up in St. Louis, like we were at the mall in South County yesterday, I, me and my little girl, we weren't wearing our masks. Didn't think much about it. Just walked in through the through the front of the mall and went through the halls, you know. And there were some people wearing their masks. A lot of people weren't. But when we went into the store, 
we were approached by staff there and she asked if we had masks. And I said, we did not. I said, do you have any for us? And she went and got us a couple masks. And so we put them on. No, no big whoop. If it's a requirement for that store, uh, okay. And as long as it, I'm approaching the right way, I'm not going to throw a fit about it. You know, it is what it is. It, it's a business. Mm-hmm. It's owned by a company. They have their own rules and regulations. If I feel like I don't want to shop at their store because I have to wear a mask, if I did feel that way, I wouldn't shop at their store. It goes back to the jack-in-the-box thing. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I, I make that decision for myself. That That's what I want. I want that measure of control. Right. And so my lack of business isn't going to take this this company down if enough people feel the same way. If I were, you know, to buck against the mask, if enough people felt that same way, then the market would dictate that they're they're going to have to make some adjustments. And that's where these businesses are kind of being forced into the corner because they may, in fact, lose business because I am not a, a militant anti-mask person, mm-hmm. right? I don't really carry the way. It's not that big of a deal. I have to wear it at work, period, anyway. I'm so used to it. Sometimes I feel like I'm naked without my mask nowadays. But, you know, I don't always wear it either, like when I'm going to the stores and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I just don't. And th- to me, that's my right. That's, that's. I mean, it's just, that's how I roll. Anyway, um, but if, if enough people decided, well, we don't like that store because they're all about the mask and the, the, you know, the boogeyman's coming to get you, well, then they're going to take a hit in their bottom line. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they're not going to make as much revenue and the market will speak to that, that particular place. And it's going to speak to all the places like that. But that's, I think also why the powers that be are using a manipulation of the populace so that we police each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there, I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you're up, especially in the city areas, if you're walking down the sidewalk or you go into a store and not somebody who works at that particular establishment, just some other person who's there tells you you need to put your mask on. Some Karen is definitely going to be out there doing that. Right. And a lot of younger um, Gen Gen Z millennials are probably going to be doing the same thing because they are, they've been brought up and they've been, dare I say, um, doctrinated into this, you know, the government, you know, is going to tell you what's best for you and you're going to do it. Um, and other people who don't are putting your life at risk. You should be scared of them. You know, you should be afraid of those people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to, they're going to be damaging the, to the, to our civilization, our society. And they're, they're Trump voters. I, by the way, I don't know how the virus, everything's politicized. Everything oh, is crazy. Yeah. How, how is wearing a mask, a, a Republican, uh, or not wearing a mask is more Republican and, and wearing a mask is more Democrat. Right. It's crazy how that works. I, I'm still amazed at how the the government can divide us yep. using anything and everything. And it works because people buy into it. Yeah. If I could just do anything, I just want people to think about it. I want you to stop and think about the both sides of the situation. Mm-hmm. The both sides. I want you to stop and think about both sides of the situation and think, okay, is this really what it's what they say it is? Should I really do this? And am I really thought policing other people around me? And is it causing peer pressure? And have I been manipulated by the powers that be to do that without even me really realizing it? Right. People become defensive, though, when you start talking like that. They're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not, I'm not manipulated. You're the one that's putting lives at risk. It's like, why can't you just wear a mask? Why can't you just go get your shots? Why mm-hmm. can't you do this and that? Well, okay. You know, that's your opinion. But you start thought policing people and, and you're dividing. It's very divisive. Right. Um, a lot of people are going to buck against that. And that's I guess that's how they once again they separate us in society. Yeah, something that I I mentioned before the show though, you, when you said going to the mall and you said that there was like certain stores that would ask you to wear a mask, that surpri- that kind of surprises me because 
I would think that if at least the majority of stores, because the the example I gave was that these stores inside of a mall are just leasing that store, that place or that, you know, inside the mall. Yeah. So I'm surprised that if any of the stores are requiring you to wear a mask inside their store, I'm surprised they're not requiring to wear a mask in, you know, in throughout, the throughout the entire, uh-huh. the mall itself. That, yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of odd to me. And I get it. I get it. You know, you said that, well, that you don't really have the police to, there are people to police that and make sure that it actually happens. Right. But same thing in a, in a store, or, or, like, you know, there's got to be security guards and stuff like that around. There were, but not like the staff because the staff in like, say we, we went into route 21. I went in with my daughter. Did you get some blingy jeans? I did not. Oh, you should have. I did not. I, I really thought about it, but the fitting rooms weren't open. So, uh, <laughs> COVID. I get it. Um, you, you walk into a store there and, and the, the staff oversight is much more prevalent because you've got this small space within the mall and mm-hmm. there's, you know, two, three staff members there to help customers anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, as they're coming up to see if they can help you with anything, they want to ask you if you have your mask on. A lot of components might come, a lot of factors might uh, apply to this, though. A, that certain, that particular company might just really be COVID conscious. Maybe Rue 21 has just made a commitment at the corporate level that, you know, we're going to abide by A, B, and C when it comes to COVID regulations and mm-hmm. restrictions. Um, maybe it, it's particular to individual, those staff people. You know, every sure. time it was a younger person. Um, not saying that they were, I didn't have enough interaction with them to say that they were snide. Um, but I'm sure that they have to have this conversation over and over again. Maybe she was sick of having the conversation because her manager says you have to do this. And maybe it's at the managerial level, even maybe the manager is really COVID conscious and she makes sure that all her staff or his staff are asking whether or not people have masks. And if they're not wearing a mask, they need to put one on or they can get out of the store. Right. Um, so it's a complex situation as to why that that might be that might happen because I'm pretty sure we went into another store without thinking about it because I'm just not really thinking about it all the time. I'm not trying to be a contrarian, but I th- I'm pretty sure we walked into the stores without our mask on too and, and didn't get any pushback whatsoever. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. I mean, there's so many factors. I don't know that it relates to one major like factor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what about? Have you heard? I think it's the Yankees that have. Uh, a, like a, quite a few players that have gotten COVID, even though they got vaccinated. I didn't hear about that. Didn't hear about that. Mm-mm. I, I want to say it was the Yankees. I probably should look that up to make sure, but I know it's a baseball team. Pretty sure it's the Yankees that have had several players test positive for COVID, even after they were vaccinated. Just here recently. Yeah. Really? Um, I understand that that's always a possibility. It's just like the flu, just cause you get a flu shot doesn't mean you can't get the flu, but right. it's supposed to mitigate, I guess, issues that you can have from COVID and yeah. make your chances better as far as maybe not get as sick from it. Yeah. That, that's what they say. It's yeah. supposed to, it supposedly takes death off the table Yeah, and it, the, the symptoms aren't nearly as severe yeah. or intense. Yeah. So that, that's why I'm just curious about, cause I, I haven't heard like the news talk about it. I'm just wondering if like the news would be, yeah, see, it's working. See, yeah, they got it again, but they're fine. You know, every, everything's fine. They're not dying. Yeah. You know, the COVID shot's working. I just, I'm sure curious. there would be a spin on it. Yeah. I mean, whether you're for the vaccination or not, or for masks or not, that's not our point. Yeah. You know, the, the point is the spin. Yeah. The point is the, the, the powers that be. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about the government. I'm talking about the media and, and definitely big business corporations. They, they still have a need to spin everything in a certain direction to meet their agenda, mm-hmm. you know, and that is that will eternally bother me. 
coming from anything, any entity whatsoever. If if there's a spin on it, and I and I have noticed that spin, which I'm always looking, then I'm like, why? What what is your agenda, and what do I have to do with it? And mm-hmm. how do I play into your cute little friggin' game that you want to you know play God with everybody else's lives? Right, drives me insane. And so I I still, even though I see a lot of it, I don't necessarily push back. Maybe I should push back more, even just in conversation, maybe. But the way that I diffuse my part in that whole game is that I just don't participate as much as possible. As much, You have to participate in, to some degree or another just because that's the way life works and they own everything. But as much as I possibly can, I don't participate in certain things that I feel like are a manipulation tactic, even though I don't even necessarily understand what the end goal is, mm-hmm. you know, some, a lot of times at least. I might have conspiracies or I might, you know, come across different theories of, of why that might be the case. But if I don't feel like it's something that's genuine or, or if, if there's even a hint of manipulation, oftentimes I start back off, you know, I just don't participate. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that living in the communities that we do live in, it makes it a lot easier. So we don't just get herded in with everybody else. Cause it's just such a, a rat race. Yeah. But I mean, living in the community that we do, it's almost like they, they gave up on this a lot sooner than like your bigger cities would anyways. And that might be what you're talking about. But like, I mean, the whole mask thing, most, I don't want to say most people, but a a big majority of people around here are, even if there's a mask sign on the door, if they're going to risk walking in and just going in without a mask on, you know what I mean? I mean, you're Mm -hmm. still going to have some people that are, that are diligent about wearing a mask, but even those people at least that I've seen aren't going to say anything to anybody about not wearing a mask. Not in this area. Not in this area. You'd be making a mistake. Uh, <laughs> they, he just, if you'd say anything to me about not wearing a mask that I just raise up my uh-huh. shirt and I got a gun. Yeah. Um, oh, I can seal carry. Let me adjust my shirt. Uh huh. I got yeah. a mask down here somewhere. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> it's got to be underneath my gun. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't say anything. I'd, I'd act the same way down here as I do up there. You know, if, if I'm in a business and they want me to wear a mask, okay, sure. I have my cousin. He's, he's very adamantly against mask and he, it's not about COVID or anything like that, but he knows some technical numbers that he throws out cause he worked in environmental, um, cleanup type of work. Mm-hmm. And he knows, and he done a lot of training as well. And he says that the virus is so many microns and a mask is not going to stop those microns from getting out from the other side of that mask. And he'll argue with anybody anyway. He's always ready to argue. <laughs> and so it's, it's part of it. He likes to argue anyway, but it's part of his thing because he does have that working knowledge of chemicals and, and, and things like that and protective devices. Mm-hmm. So, cause he's worked with asbestos and hazardous, you know, chemicals of all kinds. But he, uh, if someone approaches him in the store, especially around this area, then he's going to sit there and have a very technically sounding argument. I don't have the knowledge to back up his technical, right? You know his knowledge, but yeah, he uh, he's going to have that argument with you. And if you don't have the answers for his technical argument, then he's not having it. Yeah, and he's going to sit there and he's going to battle it out with you. He's always ready to. I'm not. I'm not. I'm like you want me to wear a mask. That's fine. If, if I want to shop here, mm-hmm. you know, if I don't, then well, I might just turn around and walk out because it really wasn't that big. Of a, I was just spending time. And if I don't have a mask with me or don't feel like putting it on, then I'll just walk out of your store. Either way, I'm I'm doing what I want to do. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, since the beginning, I don't necessarily want to wear a mask, but I'm not somebody who's going to 
boycott your store if you want me to wear a mask. As long as that's the only thing that you're making me do is just yeah. put a piece of cloth on my face. Okay, I'm fine with that. But I tell you what, I've got friends who build houses and who flip houses and stuff like that, and they are 100% going anywhere, uh, 100% against going anywhere that they, he's, they're required to wear a mask. I've seen them spend more money on going somewhere else to buy materials and stuff like that just because they're going somewhere where they're not required to wear a mask. Right. It's crazy. And I'm not downing them for that. That's that's their decision to make. Yep. And their choice. And if they feel like their rights are being fringed upon because they are having to wear a mask, mm-hmm. then, you know, so be it. And yeah. that but and the the company that the companies that are trying to make them wear a mask are losing, I mean, a, a good maybe not to them it's not a good chunk of money but to us it's a big chunk of money by them not buying stuff there instead they're instead they're going down the road to somewhere else yep it's crazy well that's that's exactly what i'm talking about though having that measure of control i mean i think that's what surviving in a society is all about you know i think the i am not like i said a militant anti-mask type of guy but I'm glad that there are people out there who are doing things like that because I think there needs to be a balance. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we would all just be herded in just like everybody else, you know, one way or the other. I don't care if it's for safety or not. I think it was Benjamin Franklin that says that if you give up your your freedom for security, then you deserve neither, mm-hmm. you know. And we do. We give up our freedoms just so the government, you know, big brother can keep us safe. You know, they tell us what to do. And I get that, you know, this is a virus thing that's going around. And I don't mean to minimize the virus itself. It's not about that, once again. It's about the way that they manipulate the populace and how they get their agenda done. Right. Whether or not there's there's a bigger underlying conspiracy or agenda surrounding COVID, eh, you know, it's I have fun talking about it, but I have no proof either way. Right. You know, I don't really have anything substantial. I have some ideas that I think are interesting, but it's just the way that they do things. I don't like it. And I'm glad that there's a pushback on the other side. Because it helps to keep things in somewhat of a balanced mode. Mm-hmm. I like that because I like because within that balance, as long as there's balance, that's where I, I believe you find the most personal freedom, the most personal control. Mm-hmm. Because there's this extreme over here, there's this extreme over here. I like to be somewhere like right in the middle, right? Because that's where I can move around the most. That's where I have the most flexibility. Yeah, but your biggest stuff's gonna come like. I mean, we're in the middle of summer now, and I know maybe this summer might not be affected as much. Um, next summer maybe affected a lot more but like like cruises and stuff like that those are put on hold i think until like february or something like that um and even then i'm sure you're gonna have to be required to have a vaccination to be able to do that but like like i'm saying like next summer if you haven't had your vaccination a lot of like vacations and stuff like that are probably going to be interesting for people who haven't who haven't had the card and that's really where it's going to where they're going to divide people up Mm -hmm. that's what i'm curious to see how how it turns out as well is because we were talking about, I don't know if we were talking about on the mic or not, but how the vaccination card system for, for small business, or not small business, for any business when you're going in, if they require a vaccination or a mask, and how that's it's a faulty system. A, I was even reading online earlier about how the you know you can forge a vaccination card. Oh, really? It's a federal offense. Don't do it. <laughs> right. But you can. Wow. And people are going to. Yeah. You know? Um, so they're going to, they're going to make a chip like, like they do the new driver's license, you know, that they're wanting you to get, or you can't fly without the new driver's license. Apparently, you know, you got to have that special one. Um, all the debit cards have, or the credit cards have chips in them. Now they're going to make a chip, uh, vaccination passport. I'm sure that's going to, you're going to be in a database they're corralling everybody into the system. 
that's what's got. I, I want to see the pushback against that because that's some pretty heavy stuff. I and mean, we're getting back into some really heavy 1984 stuff. If you want to get into it, some pretty, you know, biblically wise, Christianity wise, you get into some pretty, pretty hardcore end time stuff. Like Mark of the Beast type mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Because it's just, it's veering that way. They, they have not had, and I, by they, I mean the powers that be, the, the oligarchy, whatever. They have not had the means to control the population till now. Now they had they're they're getting it. Not they not that they have uh, their, their thumb down on it yet, but they're getting there, right? They have this means to corral everybody in and get everybody into the system, you know. And, and your your digital number and everything is going to be tracked through these cards. And so the vaccination, although it may be once again a beneficial vaccine to keep people from getting sick and dying. Not my argument. My argument is that this is a tool that they're going to use in order to get everybody consolidated and, and put your, you know, get your, get your, not your mark as in mark of the beast, but they're going to, they're going to tally you up and take control of you. And the people that don't fall into that are going to try to be outliers for as long as they can hold out. But the more population that falls in line with what the powers that be are are deciding and, and constructing for the masses the more people that fall into that, the weaker the outliers become. Mm-hmm. And so, and more and more people are just falling in, in line. They're just falling in line. Just whatever, whatever, you know, Fauci or, or Biden or whomever, whatever they say, let's just, let's do it because they must know. Biden can't even put, he can't even put two sentences together without going into dementia mode. Yeah. And I'm not making fun of the guy, you know, feel bad for him, you know, cause he's getting older and it's just how it goes. But he's supposedly making our decisions for us. He's our figurehead. You know, it, a lot of things don't make sense. Trump being our figurehead didn't make a whole lot of sense either. Yeah. You know, he was he was off the chain. He was a Twitter fiend. He, you know, he was rude and obnoxious and was not very presidential at all, if at all. Well, I just, I look at when, as far as like president making decisions, I always, I always look behind the president as far as that goes. Because, I mean, yeah. president can make a decision, but it's not like he can just say something and it, it's automatically put into place. It's like... You know, he's got to go through a whole cabinet full of people to make sure before he can say anything. Yeah. Well, I say say anything. Trump said whatever he wanted whenever he wanted on Twitter. But, you know, I'm saying like, you know, you you can't just make a decision and all bam, it's there. You got to go through quite a few people or most of the decisions that president makes is probably from the cabinet that's below him, especially with Biden. Yeah, I would imagine. Well, yeah, there's a lot of consultation going on, but. Presidents can make executive orders, and that's, yeah, that's pretty much a unilateral thing. The thing about an executive, an executive order is, though, the next guy coming in can erase them. Yeah, you know, so it, it's a it's a standing order for as long as that president is in office, and for as long as any of the um, the presidents coming after that president allows it to remain. Yeah, didn't like when wasn't it like the first couple of days that Biden was in office was just him re getting rid of executive orders that Probably. Trump put into place. Probably. Pretty sure. Yeah. Which, and I think when Trump first got into office, he was taking down some of uh, Obama's as well. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's the way they do things. Mm-hmm. But overall, you know, there's some executive orders that are still in play from like the 1960s with JFK and things like that. So some of them have remained and some of them are actually pretty scary, even from back then. Really? Yeah. Just the measure of control. Just if, if things do hit the tank, you know, with uh, war or anything like that in our country, then the way that they're going to handle things is pretty, uh, pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing. COVID is our crisis of the day. You know, it is the crisis of our time, this pandemic. We've had some other things that have really affected our, our world, our nation. 
like wars specifically, things like that, uh, some natural disasters. Katrina. Every time these things happen, though, you if you look back and you and you just kind of analyze what's going on, every single time the government swallows up more and more of a, of the control. They, they, yeah, they, the, because the, they're they're protecting us. Right? Yeah. The the weird thing was with this one though is just how fast it hit and how it came out of nowhere. Yeah. So it's not like and we've talked about it before. I don't think it was like this was planned. It was just what do we do to benefit government with this yes and that's how that's how everything's gotten to where it is now yeah yeah it's how, just it's how crazy can we, uh, how can we control more mm-hmm. and more and more and that's exactly what they're doing whether or not because you know like i said before the cdc former head of the cdc said that it probably came out of wuhan out of the lab so mm-hmm. there's there's more evidence probably to that if, although it's not conclusive but he just says that's probably where it come from um and, and you know, so we'll give them the benefit of the doubt that it didn't happen on purpose because I, I don't think they would have just unleashed it on their own country first. Maybe, maybe not, but don't think so. But regardless, you're you're absolutely right. They don't let a good crisis go to waste. Mm-hmm. They they hang on to it and they gobble up as much control just like they always have. You know, with the uh, with the uh, Iraq War, I guess it was, and after nine eleven, we'll just say that the Patriot Act you know, was something that they put in place because they were tracking down terrorists. But not only were they tracking terrorists, they started tracking the entire, basically, well, they've already started tracking the world, but our country started tracking all of us, all the citizens. Not that they've compiled every little thing that I've said, but it's probably in a database somewhere if they ever need to data mine it, you know. And then they have the systems now. That's what I'm talking about. They have the systems of control now big enough. They have mainframes. Uh, you know, they can fit so many gigs into a little phone. They have acres of mainframes just gobbling up information just storing it and mm-hmm. who knows what for right? right just for data mining or just for god knows what to try to create some wicked ai based off of the based off of our interactions all this time that they've just compiled and you know put into some kind of a algorithm matrix and just watch what happens who have, knows have you ever watched so criminal minds yeah i have seen it that show blows my mind and i mean I, i'm sure some of it's exaggerated but if you ever watch um, the the chick on there, it's Penelope Garcia on the show, but she's the one that's like behind the computers and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, it's I mean, whether it's true that it's exact, it's just that fast or not, but like I mean, she can just type in a name and your entire history from the second you were born to mm-hmm. now is there. Like every every move that you've made, everything you've done, everything that you've said is all there within seconds. Yeah, you know, so the fact that they could they can even go deep like farther than that is, is is nuts yeah i think for the sake of the show for the effect that that's very much streamlined mm-hmm. but the technology is definitely there yeah it's real mm-hmm. they 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 have our they already have our numbers mm-hmm. now they just have to find a way to to use it um to to maximize the control that they have over the, the population yeah so they'll get there yeah it's a matter of time the more convenience that we get because that's tied into it, you know, technology equals convenience for us. Mm-hmm. And the more convenience we have, the more docile we become and the more that, uh, it, the, the easier it is for them to take control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got some good conspiracies too, to, that coming <laughs> up for, for another episode. Um, a lot of them, cause I've been talking to my cousin once again and he's, I don't know, he's just all over with the conspiracies right now. But a lot of them bleed over into conspiracies that I've I've known before. But the kind of, you can see how some of these are kind of coming to fruition too. So it's very interesting. I don't I don't ever like 
like fully believe in most conspiracies mm-hmm. that I come across, but I do find almost all of them very interesting, you know, when it comes to some of the things that we're seeing nowadays. But for another time. Absolutely. My friend. Yeah. Good stuff. Yep. All right. Thanks again to you, the CEP listener. Remember that word of mouth feels like a freshly cleaned and pressed mask for us. So don't forget to tell your friends and family about the great variety that you hear right here on the CEP. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or wherever you consume the podcast that you love so much so that you can keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. Also on that note, when you go to Apple Podcast, it would help us immensely if you would give us a five-star rating while you were there to show your love for the CEP. And speaking of love, we love it when you give us all of your love on the socials when, in fact, you do give us all of your love on the socials. So be sure to give us your love on the socials and be sure to visit the new and improved launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us, you can do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Pick up all of your official CEP network merch at buyjack.com slash CEP. And that's all I've got, folks. So until next time, be sure to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours nice and warm out there. See ya.